0: Hey, welcome to All Souls Church. My name is Pastor Harvey and um, I am so thankful to be able to give the word to you today. If you're looking into our church online we'd love to have you join us here in Burbank 10 a.m. every Sunday and we are in the book of 2nd Timothy today. So we're third week in 2nd Timothy. 2nd Timothy chapter 1 is where we're going to be. 2nd Timothy is what, what we call one of the pastoral epistles. The reason why is because the Apostle Paul is writing this to a pastor on how to lead the church and how to think about the church. And what it does for us is it teaches us what the church is all about and what pastors are called to do, but also what Christians are called to do within the church as church members and, and whatnot. So, uh, today, uh, so the series is called The Deposit uh, because we're talking about the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy about guarding the deposit of the gospel. And today, uh, we're talking about guarding the deposit. Today is the week where we look into the text where Paul explicitly says that, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Um, So with that, let's go ahead and uh, read God's word. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read verses 8 uh, through 14. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, and apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of your spirit to look into your word and be taught and instructed and lifted up. And specifically, Lord, as we talk about the deposit, the deposit of the gospel that you've put within the church, that you've put within each each individual who is part of the church, may we understand this gospel deposit that you've deposited within our souls. And um, may we understand our role to pass this deposit on to other people as well. But for today, Lord, give us clarity on the deposit itself and um, how we suffer in the midst of preaching this great gospel. So, Lord, we ask you to come and instruct us and teach us, and we pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well... Imagine you, um, you burnt through a bunch of money and your bank account is severely overdrawn and you have penalties because of that, uh, you had, you've basically spent your last time and on top of that, you've maxed out all your credit cards. Uh, creditors are calling, they're on your back, there's no relief. And this is leading you to some despair and sadness because you have no idea how you're going to get out of this situation. Not only do you have no money, you have uh, great debt and people are coming after you for that debt as well. And so you feel the despair, you feel the sadness, you feel, feel the fear maybe of what's gonna come or the anger maybe at yourself or the circumstances that put you in this situation. You probably would feel embarrassment Right, because you spent through all your money and maxed out, you were irresponsible financially. You'd probably feel shame uh, because of uh, you know I, you didn't live up to the standard or you um, you had failed. Um, now imagine that's your situation, and um, somebody is in here your life who is a great Christian billionaire, and this person comes along and pays your debts, all of them, pays all the credit cards off. Uh, pays all your debtors and the things that you owe and pays off your house and then on top of all that deposits a billion dollars into your bank account and he says uh, go ahead and live on this deposit. Live on this deposit that I've made for you um, and the only thing that I would ask is that you guard this deposit and that you use this deposit not only for yourself but to spread my message feed the hungry, build churches, and make more debt payments to other people, deposits for other people. Imagine that scenario, I know it's kind of a far-fetched scenario, but this is the scenario of the gospel, that we all, as human beings, are in great debt to God. and We have overdrawn our account, and we've not only overdrawn our account, we are millions and millions of dollars in debt because of uh, our rebellion in thought, word, and deed. Um, We have lived selfishly, all of that. And God has come along and paid all those debts through the cross of Jesus, and then through the resurrection of Jesus, deposits into your account billions of spiritual dollars that will last you forever and you can take those that that resource and then pass it on to others and bless them as well this is basically the story of the gospel this is what god has done and this is what we call the gospel in a sense in a story form we're going to get into exactly what the gospel is here in just a minute but it's it's god coming and saving and doing what we could not do for ourselves. So God has given us this gospel, and now He says, guard this gospel, protect this gospel, pass this gospel on to other people. And in this text, the Apostle Paul calls this uh, gospel the deposit. It's the deposit of that billion of dollars in your bank account. God has depo- if you believe, God has deposited the gospel in your soul. God has deposited the gospel in the church. And the purpose of the gospel being deposited within the church and with each individual Christian is that the Christians can withdraw on that gospel and live out of that gospel, but also protect that gospel and pass that gospel on. So my main point today is this. Guard the gospel deposit entrusted to you. Guard the gospel deposit entrusted to you. Let's look at verse 8. The Apostle Paul says this, do not, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Now, whenever you see in scripture a therefore, you always look to see what it is therefore, right? Well, if you look here right before this, when he says therefore, he says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and And of self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Now, why would he have to say this? Well, there's several circumstances going on. As we talked about last week, Timothy is in this church where some false teachers have come in. A lot of people left the church. He's feeling very beat up. He's feeling very discouraged. And on top of feeling that discouragement, he's feeling some shame. He's feeling some shame because of the the gospel itself, but also shame because Paul, who had trained him, is now in prison for the gospel and is writing this letter to Timothy. And so there were many Christians that were being arrested and there was a shame associated with that. There was fear associated with that. So his fear was not only because of what was going on in his church, but also what was coming from the outside towards his church. Uh, What we know is that Paul is in jail, so the the main preacher and church planter of the gospel is in jail. That would cause some shame. Um, The other Christians had been martyred or arrested or thrown in jail for their faith. There was a crackdown on Christians and churches in the first few centuries of the church uh, when Christianity was basically illegal in the Roman Empire. And the reason why is because there was something called an imperial cult where you worship the Rome, you worship the nation, you worship the country. It's kind of like in our country we have people that worship the country. Well, and the same thing was happening then. And the gospel, what the gospel does is it overthrows all other nations and ideologies and all other kings and kingdoms to say that Jesus is the only king. And so the gospel is a threat not only to, you know, people that don't believe it. It's not it's also a threat to powers and principalities and nations and power struggles because the gospel brings freedom to people and when people live free You can't control them. Okay, so there's all these reasons why Timothy has the temptation to be ashamed of the gospel Um, On top of that think about it, you know, the Apostle Paul um, in 1st Corinthians talks about the foolishness of the gospel that the gospel is not something that man would come up with. To man, it seems, to humans, it seem, can on the surface seem foolish. Uh, but it's God's gospel. And he says the foolish, what is foolishness to men is actually the wisdom of God. Um, now think about what we believe for just a second when we're talking about uh, being ashamed of the gospel. We believe in an unseen God. And we have given our whole lives to this unseen God. okay, That might seem like foolishness to a lot of people. Uh, We believe that this God spoke everything into existence and is holding everything together. That might seem like foolishness to people who don't have the gospel. But on top of that, think of the story that we believe and hear it through uh, the ears of somebody who doesn't know the truth and their souls of the gospel. Uh, God created the world. He made a garden, put Adam and Eve in the garden. put all these trees there, says, don't eat of this one tree, then the snake comes along and the snake's like, hey, eat this tree, and they're like, oh yeah, God's holding out on us, so they go ahead and eat of the tree, and that breaks the world, and um, then years go by, God makes a promise one day, I'll send somebody, God becomes a human, He's a perfect guy, He dies on the cross uh, for our sins, so not just dies on the cross, but He dies for our sins this might all sound like foolishness to somebody and then on top of that after dying he rises from the dead that we usually people don't rise from the dead but that's what our whole faith is based upon uh he he uh, did miracles and teaching and he then sends the holy spirit to us and sends us on a mission to tell this truth to the whole world until he comes again well maybe if you're a christian that you're new use to that story but Listen to that story through non-believing years. Somebody who didn't grow up in the church, somebody who's never heard it before. It sounds foolish. And for a lot of Christians, they're ashamed of it because it sounds foolish. And this is why the Apostle Paul says here, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. There can be a temptation for Christians to be ashamed of the gospel. And then he says, uh, also, don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. But he says this, share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So in other words, the apostle Paul says, look, if you believe the gospel, you receive all the blessings of the gospel. That billion dollars has been put into your bank account. But if you believe the gospel in this broken world, you will suffer for it. And this is another reason why Timothy is feeling some shame because he's suffering for the gospel. He's suffering for the gospel in these false teachers, people that have left the church, the fact that the the, the Roman government is cracking down. There's all this shame associated with this, and Paul has to remind him, "Don't be ashamed of this gospel." Now, he called he, he, instead. He says, "Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Instead, suffer for it." Now. Uh, As we saw in verse 14, let's look at that again. At the end of verse 14, it says, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Part of what we have to guard the good deposit from is our own shame. But we also have to guard the good deposit from outward forces that would want to change it or tweak it or disbelieve it. Okay? So now, let's talk about what the gospel deposit is excuse me, what the gospel deposit is. Here it is. In plain, straightforward, powerful language in these two verses, this is one of the best descriptions of the gospel uh, in all of the Bible. Verse, And this is the deposit that he says we must receive and pass on. So he says, um, But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, in verse 8, and here it is, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Okay, so let's break that down for just a second. Here's what the gospel is. Here's what the deposit is. And I want you to know it for yourself so you can receive it for yourself, but also pass it on to others. First, the gospel, he says, is about God who saved us. Who saved us? This means that God, the gospel is God's rescue operation. Now, think about it, you're in the middle of the ocean, and for some reason uh, you have uh, lost your boat, and you're in one of those little tiny boats, and you're floating around in the ocean for days on end. And uh, before you know it, there's sharks circling, and they're hitting your boat, and you know that you're about to die. Okay. Uh, It's only a matter of time. Finally, uh, one of the sharks um, makes such a dent that it makes uh, a small hole within your boat and starts collecting water. And you're taking the water and you're trying to get it out as quickly as you can. And you realize it's only a matter of time before this thing sinks and I become uh, food for these sharks. At that moment, a boat comes along. And you begin waving your hands and yelling and they see you and they make their way over to you. And they take you uh, from your situation as the boat is filling up with water, as sharks are circling. They take you from your situation and they lift you up out of that small boat and they bring you into the boat. And they, you know, they cover you and they give you food and they take care of you. Um, They had just rescued you. Well, this is what God does for us in the gospel. He rescues us. When we're out in the middle of the ocean with no ability to save ourselves, our good works are like this, uh, trying to scoop the water out, trying to save ourselves. And all our good works do is, it, is it, it, uh, eventually it's going to sink. Our good works are not going to save the day. We're going to be eaten by the sharks. We need somebody to rescue us. This is what God has done in the gospel. He's rescued us. When you get in that boat, you don't go, well, look at me. I survived. I'm amazing." You turn to the people that rescue you and you say, thank you. You saved my life. I was about to be shark food any moment. I'd been out there for days on end. You saved me. You have rescued me. This is what God has done for you. He has reached down into the ocean of this world, into the brokenness of your life, and He has pulled you up out and He has nursed you back to health. This the gospel of God. It's rescue. It's salvation. So that's the first part of the gospel. It's about rescue, salvation. Second part of what the gospel does is is it has a purpose, that he calls us, he says, to a holy calling. We are called to a holy calling. So God calls us. Um, We do not save ourselves. God calls us. And what he calls us to is he calls us to this holy calling, this holy calling of being his, of receiving the deposit of the gospel and being a representative of him on earth. Now, keep, the, keep the, uh, the, the trajectory in line here. There's a rescue and then there's a calling to a holy calling. God rescues you, God calls you, and God gives you a holy calling. Okay? It's not that that you did anything, it is absolutely all dependent on what God does for you. Um, And this calling that he calls you to is a calling that is above your character, it's above your ability, and it's above your status. It's not something you earned, and and, and it's not that God rescued you and called you to this holy calling because he looked at you and he goes, you're special. You're better than the rest of everybody on earth. I need you on my team. Instead, God sees you in your weakness and your brokenness and he comes and rescues you, not because of anything that you've ever done, or anything that you will ever do, not because you're smarter, not because you're better, not because you're more religious, not because you're more holy, not be, for any of those reasons, but simply for his reasons. He calls you to a holy calling. And now the and then so the next part of the gospel that we have to understand, what it's not, okay, what the gospel is not. He says, not because of our works." Not because of our works. In other words, your human works have absolutely nothing to do with your salvation. It is not because of our works. Um, There is a temptation in all of us to think that we are earning something with God. Now, there is effort in the Christian life, of course, The gospel is not opposed to effort. The gospel is opposed to earning. And good works, the approach of religion is to earn favor with God by doing things for God or doing the right things or obeying the right rules or keeping the right rituals. And what this says, clear as day, it is not because of our works. There is literally nothing you have ever done or ever will do that recommends you to God. It is not because of our works. Now, um, it is because of works, though, just not ours. It's because of the works of Jesus. Okay? So, not because of our works, but because of Jesus' works, we are saved. Now, on top of all this, he says, um, not because of his purpose. So, what is the reason that God saved you? It's not because your works, it's not anything that you've ever done. Why does God save certain people and give them the deposit of the gospel? Well, he says right here because of his own purpose. God saved you for his purposes. Uh, It wasn't, God chose you and saved you because of his purposes. He's working purposes in the world, and he works your life and your salvation in the midst of his overarching purposes, and he includes you in his purposes. So it's not your purposes that saved you, it's God's. And then he says, um, because of his grace. The reason he saved you is not because he looked through the corridors of time and said, wow, this one is better or special. It's because he looked through the corridors of time and said, I have compassion on this person and I will give them grace. We've talked about it before that grace is one-way love. It's 100 percent God coming to you with love and forgiveness. It's not God coming part way and you coming part way. It's not God going most the way and you coming part way. It is God 100 percent coming to you with salvation. This is grace. So He saved you based on His purpose and His grace. Okay, That He gave us in Christ Jesus. So all of these things He gives us through Jesus coming to this world and living the perfect life, dying on the cross, rising from the dead. And then it says this. He gave you all this. He saved you before the ages began. Before you were born, He knew He was going to have grace on you and give you the deposit of the gospel. Before he created the world, he knew you, and he knew he was going to save you and give you the deposit of the gospel. So not only are your works not included, God predetermined to save you before you were born, before he had even created anything. He knew you, and he had determined to save you by his grace. So, all right. Now, verse uh, 10 gives okay so that's the background of the gospel now here's the content of the gospel verse 10 and which now has been manifested so all of these things we just talked about they've been manifested they've come to light in history in real space and time look what he says has been manifested through the appearing of our savior Christ Jesus this is his first coming in his first coming he all of the plans of god all of the ages All of the ages of promise come to fruition in him. Jesus himself, you might say, is the deposit. And Jesus, um, in verse 10, when he was manifested, he manifested all these truths that we just talked about, and he brought them into space and time and accomplished everything that was needed. Um, So it is not your works that save you, it is Jesus' works that save you. Okay, now look at this in verse 10. Who, here's the breakdown of the gospel. Who abolished death, that's the cross. He died so that we don't eternally die. He died so that we can be cleansed of our sins. He abolished death. Death is our great enemy. The reason why we die is because we have sin. And so what Jesus has done is he has abolished sin. He has forgiven you of sin by his death on the cross. But he's also abolished death for you. That death for you is not the end. It is a new beginning that you go on beyond this because of what Jesus has done in the world through the gospel. So he abolished death on the cross and then through the resurrection brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That you can become immortal as Jesus is immortal. He rose again. He died, he rose again. This promises for you that you will die and you will rise again. He gives you immortality The gospel gives you immortality, that yes, you will die, but you will not always die. You will die, but death is not a period, it's a comma. There's more to come. And we know this because Jesus died and rose again, and the promise is also for us, that we will die and we will rise again. And a physical body will be in the new heavens and the new earth, living forever. We have. So I don't know if you know this, if you're a Christian, you're immortal. Doesn't mean you won't die on this side, but death is, is, is a passageway into more life for you if you were a Christian. All right. Um, and he did this all through the gospel, this gospel deposit. So, this is what we hold. We hold this beautiful truth of God. And it, it's not just for us, it's so that we might bring it to the world. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, For which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. Okay? So the the gospel is not meant to be just kept inside of you. He says, I am a preacher of this gospel. I am an apostle of this gospel. I'm a teacher. An apostle is a unique thing. First century, people who knew Jesus and walked with him after his resurrection, they're the foundation of the church. That's not happening today. But these other ones are preachers and teachers. Preachers proclaim the gospel. Teachers instruct you in the gospel. He says, I have been proclaimed a preacher and a teacher and apostle of the gospel because it's a deposit that needs to be passed on to other people. That we have received the deposit and then we deposit it in other people as well. And this is how it's done, through preaching and teaching. This is why there's always preaching and teaching in the churches. Okay, Verse 12, which is why I suffer as I do. Why am I suffering? Because I'm doing the very thing that God called me to do. Preaching and teaching this deposit. Why am I suffering? Because I'm a holder of the deposit. And we live in the world that, in a world that does not like the deposit. We live in a world that is controlled by satanic forces that hate the deposit of the gospel. So anybody who sets their feet to preach the gospel and proclaim the gospel and then live in obedience and light of the gospel will suffer. Your suffering is part of your gospel ministry to this world. You embrace the suffering in order that this world might know the gospel as well. And Jesus, think what Jesus did. He embraced the suffering so that we might have the gospel and proclaim it to others as well. Verse 12 in the middle, he says, But I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm in jail right now, but I'm not ashamed. Here's why. For I know whom I've believed. I know him. It's not just, I know these facts and details about the gospel. I know him, Jesus, who himself is the gospel. I know him, and I know who I have trusted. See, Paul's not just hanging on to theological points. He's not just hanging on to a message. He's not just hanging on to doctrines. He's hanging on to Jesus. He says, I'm hanging on to Jesus. That's why I'm not ashamed. I'm hanging on to him, and he is holding me, and he is walking with me. I know whom I have believed. He knew Jesus on a personal level. And this is what the deposit of the gospel does. It's not just to have these facts and information about these truths within you. These truths are all for a relational purpose. Christianity is inherently relational, and it's about relating with Jesus. And the thing that kept Paul strong is his relationship with Jesus, his trust in Jesus, his knowing Jesus, his prayers to Jesus, his walking with Jesus, his obedience to Jesus, his believing in Jesus, his proclamation of Jesus. This is what kept him. I know him. I know whom I believed. And look what he says. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. So this whole passage is about guard the gospel entrusted to you. But I want you to see here that Jesus is actually the one that guards it guards it within you. That even that Jesus is doing within you. He's keeping you holding on to the gospel. You see, the, the gospel is not about you holding on to God. Of course, we do hold on to God. But the truth is the gospel is about God is holding on to you. And he's done this. He's planned to do this before the ages began. He wanted to love you. He wanted to save you. Verse 13. So he tells Timothy this in light of all that. Follow the pattern of sound words. It actually could be translated, follow the pattern of healthy words. I love that. The gospel is healthy. It's health for humanity. Follow the pattern of healthy words that you have heard from me, what I preach to you, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. So, Timothy, you can't do this on your own. You need God's power. You need God's spirit. By the Holy Spirit, which dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So we do this by the Holy Spirit. So how do we guard the good deposit entrusted to us? Well, the word guard, uh, especially this Greek word, could mean watch the gospel. So guard it, watch it. Observe the gospel, and that, but also follow the gospel. So you guard it with your life, you guard it with your heart, you guard it with your mind. Um, the, the gospel itself is a message from God. Jesus is the center of it. Its contents, we just went through, it is about the heart of God, the love of God of God. Uh, the gospel is about God's forgiveness, God's grace, God's mercy, God's glory, and God's mission. So one way we guard the gospel is by keeping it straight the way that God has given it to us. And we don't add to it and we don't take away from it. Um, the easy, easiest way to pervert the gospel and not guard it is add to it or take away from it. Christians are famous for doing this. Uh, These days, you can see on the very right wing of the church, you have people that are adding to it by adding Christian nationalism and uh, fidelity to the United States of America to the gospel. On the other side in our country, we have people that are taking from it. Oh, you know, all religions just go to God. Uh, You don't really need the gospel. Uh, oh, you know, Christian sexuality, you know, it's not really that important. Let's just go ahead and affirm these things that God doesn't affirm. So that you can see there that on the right side they add to the gospel. On the left side they take from the gospel. But the truth is humans are doing this all over the place. We're always trying to add or take away. We should The gospel is given to us in the Word. We should not add anything to the Word of God. The Word of God alone is our foundation. The gospel is the jewel within the word of God and we are not to add to it or take away from it, okay? So that's one way you guard the gospel. You don't add to it, you don't take away from it. Um, But also as important as the message itself is the messenger. The messenger of the gospel is not a perfect person, but a repentant person. Here's the thing, anybody that you think is perfect and has it all together and there's no problems, I guarantee you, There's stuff going on beneath the surface. See, uh, a person who is walking with God is not somebody who's keeping all their ducks in a row and keeping their image good. A person who walks with God is somebody who walks and stumbles, but when they stumble, they repent. The sign of a true Christian is not perfection. It's repentance. Okay, And so we guard the gospel by repenting. We guard the gospel um, by walking in it. And we guard the gospel by being other-centered, kind, and generous as messengers of the gospel because the messenger can betray the message by not walking according to the gospel. And the other thing, the way we guard the gospel is, as Paul says, whom I have entrusted, whom I have believed, Jesus. We guard the gospel by leaning into Jesus and the Holy Spirit fuels that deposit within us and we're able to believe it ourselves and pass it on to other people as well. So this is how we guard the gospel. We don't add to it. We don't take away from it. We deliver it as it is. It is a deposit. It's from God. God doesn't need your additions to it, and God doesn't appreciate when you take away from it. It is what it is. And our job as the Christian church, uh, me as a minister, you as a member of the church or an attender of the church, a Christian, your job is to guard this gospel by believing it, Trusting it, walking in it, proclaiming it, circling back to it over and over and over. This is why we gather every Sunday to reorient ourselves to this deposit that has been entrusted to us. And we do this by faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, the passage says. We put our faith in the one who loves us. And we, we walk in that, we, we hold on to the truth that he has deposited within us. The, the, one of the last things I want to say is this, that the deposit is received. It's all given here. It is not achieved. It is received, not achieved. The way you guard the gospel is you receive it. The way you pervert the gospel is to try to achieve it. It's a reception that you guard. So you, to guard it, you must believe it over and over and over for yourself. We we talk about being gospel-centered because we want to continue to circle back to this deposit. Because this is the good stuff. This is the message that God has deposited into the world. And we have it. We have it for ourselves. We have it for each other. And we have it for a lost world. So guard the gospel deposit entrusted to you. It's yours. God has given it to you. Guard it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for this deposit that you've put into us, that you've entrusted us with this powerful message. We're not worthy of this. We fall short of this. And we're blown away that you use us to deposit the gospel so that it might be distributed to this world. Um, But thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us this deposit. And thank you for forgiving us and loving us and giving this beautiful gospel to us. And most of all, thank you, Jesus, for being near us. And we pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Grace and peace.